welcome again to another episode of Sacktown Talks. Today we have Senator Sydney Kamlager joining us on a What's Happening Wednesday. Sydney, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really windy out there, so I'm excited that I'm inside talking to you. <laughs> yeah, today uh, another successful Groundhog Day. The Groundhog saw his shadow for six more weeks of winter. Kind of, how are you taking the news, and and what are your thoughts? Well, I don't mind layering. I am a Chicago girl at heart, so I don't mind if it's uh, windy and a little chilly. And uh, but I will say, now that we're in the swing space, having to you know, layer up to cross the street to go over to the Capitol and then come back and then go back. We're going to see how many assembly members and senators make it uh, through <laughs> February and March. That's funny. You know, there's been all these talks about, you know, redistricting and they're calling it the great resignation. Members are moving everywhere, running differently. Do you attribute, attribute the swing space walk to uh, some of their decisions here? Oh my God, yes. I think people were like, I'm so upset that I don't have any more parquet in my office that I am retiring today. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Jokes, 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 jokes. But I do think it's, it's, um, I do think for folks, there's been a shift in the kind of work, um, in the joy that comes from it. And, um, I do think that that's played a large role in people's decisions to retire or to not seek reelection, you know, having a year and a half to be closer to home, I do think resets people's priorities. Yeah. You know, you, you have an interesting background. You know, my, my producer really wants me to ask you about this. Uh, before you got into politics, can you kind of tell us kind of what, what you were doing? Oh, my goodness. Um, I was a wild child before I got into politics. I'm a girl from Chicago. I spent my, um, you know, my got my first taste of politics by helping my grandmother get Harold Washington elected as the first black mayor of Chicago, which is really important for folks from Chicago. I came out here to go um, to USC. I was here during uh, the earthquake and the riots, both really pivotal um, moments for me and experiences. As a result of the earthquake, I went to graduate school uh, back on the East Coast because I do not like shaky earth. Uh, but because of the riots and the um, sort of relationships that I built and the interest that was piqued um, in my heart um, about the city, I came back and I've been in LA ever since. I've worked in the nonprofit world. I've worked in the arts world. I've worked in the entertainment industry. I eventually ended up at Crystal Stairs where that's where I met Holly Mitchell. And then we kind of went on the road, you know, working to help families find and pay for childcare and then getting her in the assembly and the Senate. So I have had a very interesting journey that has married activism and the arts and politics. Um, and I have to say, I find great joy um, in each of those things. Yeah. I guess kind of during your, your arts period, you were an assistant to Delroy Lindo. Can you kind of tell us about that experience? <laughs> yes. So, you know, Delroy is, uh, you know, Crooklyn and Get Shorty and Ransom and he was in the Five Bloods and uh, this new one with, um, Regina King and Idris Elba uh, with the, it was the Western. So um, I, family friend, known him for a really long time. I was his uh, assistant and I ran his production company, Sea uh, Luna Development. Uh, we produced a number of, you know, one hour interviews with uh, folks like Joan Chen, the really um, acclaimed director and um, Charles Burnett, 
and um, Spike Lee and, you know, Delroy is family to me. I think he is beautiful and amazing and brilliant and funny. Um, and he's in California with his family. So he checks in on me from time to time. But it was a great experience. I mean, that's where I learned kind of, you know, behind the scenes about the movie industry. That's where I came to learn a lot about, you know, the trades and what goes into it and the hours that people work. And uh, then you get to meet, you know, celebrities and you realize that they are real people too with very real problems and challenges. Um, but the highlight was actually working with him in um, Berkeley, producing this interview segment with Joan Chen. And we ended up at the recording studio that um, discovered um, CCR. Um, and I mean, the wall was full of all of these platinum records from this amazing, you know, rock band that, I mean, you know, I think changed the landscape of music for folks. So that was a thrill. That's awesome. Kind of, I guess, how, how did your like working for, you know, and in the arts and the film kind of propel you into kind of working in the district for Holly Mitchell then? So um, I think the arts are really instructive for how we communicate with people. Um, if it's theater, if it's movies, books, TV, it's really about storytelling, right? And how you listen, how you um, can transcribe a story, how you can share people's perspectives that aren't like yours, um, and really how you become more comfortable in your own skin. And I think when you're working in politics, when you're doing advocacy, which was what I was doing with Holly at Crystal Stairs, supervisor Holly Mitchell um, at Crystal Stairs, it's all about how do you make other people comfortable, you know, when you're sharing good news and bad news, and how are you comfortable with yourself, right? right. And so I think it, it really, you know, provided me some tools, uh, you know, to make that work successful for me. Because it's hard, you know, at the time I was there, we were having to tell people that, the state didn't have any money and they were cutting budgets and we couldn't renew contracts. And I mean, that's hardcore for folks that are, you know, providing care for, for kids and are really dependent on these reimbursement checks from the state. At what moment did you know that you wanted to run for office at some point? You know, I asked that question to myself every day. <laughs> I'm like, is this really what you want to do? Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, um, my mother said when I was really little that I told her that I wanted to be in politics. And so like a couple years ago, she said, do you remember when you said that as a little girl? And I said, no, and you should have told me that was crazy making not to say that. But I think after I helped Miss Mitchell get into the assembly and I served as her district director, we, and then in the Senate, we started working to nurture other women and women of color to run for office. To, and she was very supportive of young candidates and new candidates. And you do so much work sort of training and like recruiting and supporting and, you know, sort of um, critiquing that I thought, well, you know, I'm doing so much of this, I probably could do this, but it actually kind of took Holly saying, this is what you need to do. You know, you look around and it's about building a bench. And so tag your red, jump in, um, you know, and they're all kind of statistics that say, you know, you have to ask a woman three times 
to run before they decide. And, you know, men wake up, they go to the bathroom and they say they're going to run for office, um, which is a joke, which is a joke. Um, so it actually took her telling me, this is something you need to do. Like we need you in this space, tag your it for me to say, maybe this is something I can do. Um, you know, and every, sometimes you wake up and you question, is it the right decision? Do you have what it takes? Are you really making change in a way that's important? Um, you know, because I will say it's, it's an awesome job, but it's incredibly humbling. And I guess what, what is so humbling about it? Can you kind of uh, elaborate on that? Yeah. So um, the state is huge. I mean, they're like hundreds of agencies, right? There are thousands of employees and, and everyone is doing something that's supposed to help the state work better. And essentially that's supposed to provide services, you know, for the, the millions of folks that live in the state. And it's a huge operation. It's not going to work 100% correctly all the time in every nook and cranny of the state. Um, and it's also, the learning curve is quite high, right? Because we as legislators, part of our role is to create legislation that's about fixing policy, that's about making the work work better, right, in the state. With all of these nooks and crannies and departments and programs and initiatives, it takes a minute to kind of figure out what those things are and what they do and how they work and what's the challenge and how, and there's also so much connective tissue. So that's humbling because most people run and they think they know everything and then you get here and you're like, mm, I don't think I know everything, um, which is like, you know, a heavy thing for a legislator to admit. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons why I do my watch Wednesdays, because I try to bring a little clarity and a little fun um, to these concepts that are state government. No, very interesting. You know, you started out in the assembly and then you kind of moved over to the Senate. Kind of what what differences have you noticed between the assembly and the Senate and kind of what what what's your preference at this point? So there are a lot of more there are a lot more people in the assembly and uh, the color is green. <laughs> and so in the swing space, we have different elevators. We have different elevators on that, you know, in the Capitol. Um, I'm being funny. I do feel like it's more ruckus on the assembly floor. So I would go into session to floor on the assembly. And I swear to God, I was like, let me get my Wheaties. Let me take my B12. Let me put on my little helmet because something is about to jump off. Right. Um, and on the Senate, it's much more um, congenial. People are like, oh, Senator, oh, Senator. And so um, so that's different. It's a much smaller, you know, the, the actual floor, you know, is like almost half the size. So it does feel really tiny. Um, but I will say I have, I, what's different for me is I had, I came in and I had friendships that I developed on the assembly side, you know, before COVID. And when I came on to the Senate, it was during COVID. And so we were, people were isolating. We don't sit next to each other on the floor. Um, and so we, you don't really go out to events. Um, so it has been much more of an isolating experience to be on the Senate side because it's been harder to develop 
the kinds of relationships that I was able to develop on the assembly side. Not to say that the senators are nasty because they're not. So senators, if you're listening, I'm not saying you're nasty. I'm just saying COVID has prevented us from like, you know, getting to know each other. Right. I guess, have you found that it, you know, being on the Senate is, is I guess helping you get a lot more of your policies done than it would on the assembly side? Well, you only have to count to 21. So that's a little easier, but then you're like, you know, the gorilla that is the assembly is waiting for you. Um, I feel like policy can be a little easier to get done on the Senate side, but I also feel like senators may, I don't, I shouldn't be telling any trade secrets, but I do feel like senators, it's harder to get, you got to really talk to folks. Senators are like, tell me about the policy. What's this really about? You know, you're new. What do you know? You know, so um, now at the end of the day, it's the same, man. At the end of the day, it's the same. You got to count your votes. You got to know what the bill is. You got to work with your opposition. You got to make sure your supporters are like, you know, got their stuff together. You still got to have a well-oiled machine on either side. You know, with, with redistricting happen, it, it seems like, you know, musical chairs, everyone's moving everywhere. And you've kind of had this uh, kind of a exciting announcement. You're going to run for Congress. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about uh, your congressional race and kind of uh, your, your thoughts behind running for Congress? Yeah. So I don't know how much I can get into. I don't want to get into trouble because uh, I'm here talking about state stuff. Um, but great opportunities you know so many i think 22 is um going to be a turning point for the legislature because so many folks are retiring and other opportunities have opened up and so um you know people like me have looked at those kinds of opportunities i'm uh it's bittersweet i love the work that i'm doing and um love the policies that you know i plan to champion this year that we've been successful at getting across the finish line last year um so i will say i'm really excited that i don't want to get dinged for you know saying stuff i shouldn't be talking about on a state platform because you know the man does listen to the podcast and i ain't trying to get in trouble with the man i think in congress you have to count like over 200 that's gonna be dude i that's why i got a calculator <laughs> I have a calculator here too. I'm like, I got my, I do got my little vote card. I could you imagine like vote cards other places? So I'll be like oh five pages of a vote card. Overwhelming. Overwhelming. Can you kind of talk? You you seem to have kind of like this this kind of serendipitous kind of like you know events of like you know moving from the assembly to the senate and now having this opportunity in in Congress. Can you kind of? Kind of talk to that about kind of how you've just had these cool opportunities kind of kind of do some different things here so yeah i um i know i have this like i don't know i don't want to say don't you hate when people like start talking about themselves and they like say all these amazing things and you're like dude you ain't that amazing so i don't want to say anything <laughs> like that but i will say that um i consider myself you know a pretty hard worker and really strong work ethic I try not to piss people off immediately. Um, and I really try to produce because I think at the end of the day, that's what people care about. Like, like, what are you doing? Like what, you know, and, um, and how can we work together? Right. And how can I be included in the thing that you're working on? So that's sort of how my work ethic 
um, translates into, um, you know, my job performance. And I just think people see that. And, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, I think folks have taken notice and they're like, hey, we, we really like how she does things. So we want her to carry a bill. You know, it's okay if I leave, um, you know, because she can run for this. Um, I want her to help me champion. So I think it's that. I also think it's luck, you know, right time, right place. Right. Um, you know, I knew, for example, that, you know, the senator was planning to run to be on the board of supervisors. Um, but you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I knew she was going to do that. And I still was like, it did not process in my mind that it was going to happen while I was in the assembly and that I would be running for the Senate. So literally I was like, oh yeah, she's, it's like, she's going to run and then she'll just be the Senator and on the board. And then I like very, very late in the game, I was like, oh snap, that means she's going to go and then we're going to have another election. So, you know, sometimes I have like delayed reaction because I'm like, I can't believe we have to do this again. And again, yeah, the, the grind. And then like, who wants to step into the shoes of Holly Mitchell? Big shoes to fill. But Big you're shoes doing, to fill. You're doing pretty well <laughs> so far. Uh, you know, and so Senator Roth, whenever he sees me, he's like, how you doing? I just love Holly Mitchell. He's like, how you doing? I just love Holly Mitchell. I'm like, hey, dude, what about me? He's like, tell Holly Mitchell I said hi. That's funny. You know, you're kind of sharing a story about when you first got into kind of working in politics, you know, we had budget deficits and, you know, cuts left and right. And kind of for the last few years, we've had these big surpluses. Uh, you know, this year we have another huge budget surplus. Kind of what are some of your thoughts about the budget this year and some of the things you're looking you're looking to do? Well, I am so grateful that I'm working in a state that has been blessed with a surplus. Um, amen to the gods and the goddesses. Um I certainly hope that the budget chair and the governor support all of my budget requests because they're all amazing and they should definitely be supported. In case you're listening, Nancy Skinner, Phil Ting, and Governor Newsom. Um, but my hope is actually that this year we will really double down on investments for a statewide wellness initiative program. We've seen an uptick in suicides, uh, mental health, I think is gonna be the next pandemic. You know, you see it with not only the great resignation, but the great malaise. Um, I think there's been so much toxicity nationally um, for the past four years. And it's like anything, when you get sick and you have an infection and you're not really working deliberately to heal, mm -hmm. you know, infections can kind of fester and then grow and metastasize. And I think that's what we're seeing with this you know, increase in suicides, increase in violence. I mean, this toxicity, not only in politics, but in sort of, you know, as folks are trying to re-normalize what it means to socialize with intimidation and bullying. And so, um, you know, not just teachers, not just students, not just essential workers, but, you know, other folks kind of across the workforce spectrums, um, so I really think we have to double down on that, you know, how we infuse behavioral health support, but also mental health supports, how we continue to destigmatize uh, mental health and not just talk about it when we're talking about people who are unhoused um, or who use substances. You know, so many people are faking it until they make it. And I think people are burnt out with that. Um, 
And that coupled with the tensions and the deaths from COVID, um, you know, have us at this very critical moment. So my hope is that we really double down and deeply invest in this space. You know, that's, that's interesting you point to that because, you know, a lot of talk has been about this great resignation and about how people aren't coming back to work or looking to do different things. And everyone's trying to get a pulse on what's, what's happened. And it, it doesn't just seem like life's going to go back to how it was two years ago. Can you kind of talk about that and kind of what, what you're seeing in your district and kind of your thoughts? Yeah, so I love my district. It's the 30th. It will be the 28th. Um, and so just to give people an idea of what it is, we sort of are uh, cocooned by uh, freeways. Yes, freeways in LA. So we have the 10 freeway to the north, the 110 to the east, Slauson um, to the south. No, Slauson like all the way to 120th and central. So almost like to the 105. Um, and then the 405 to the west. So we have really affluent neighborhoods. And then we have folks that you know, are certainly working class. Downtown, Central City, Sheffield Hills, Mid-City, Ladera Heights, um, Mar Vista Palms. So we've seen everything, you know, you, I represent folks that have been able to, you know, uh, work from home and that have supports and have people coming in, helping them with their kids, have access to the vaccinations and the boosters and the tests, you know, very early on. And then we have folks that, are essential workers and are working a couple of jobs that have side hustles that are, you know, that are really important to how they, you know, make the rent. Um, and people are really interested, I think, in being entrepreneurs um, and finding their own way because quality of life has become incredibly important. And like working someplace where you have to commute long distances where you might not have the kind of benefits that you need, where you might not have the kind of time off that you need or the flexibility, where you have a lot of folks living in your house and young kids helping other, you know, littler kids like manage. Um, you know, I see all of that in the homes of the constituents that I represent. So COVID has been great because it's encouraged people to come up with new you know, business models for the jobs that they're trying to, you know, create. Um, and it's been really tough um, because many of the folks, you know, many of my communities, you know, were last to get the PPE. They were last to get access to uh, the tests. They were last to get access to the vaccines. So lots of um, disparities across the spectrums, but I love my district. You know, this is the second year of a, of a two-year session. Kind of what's, what are some of the bills you, I guess, are kind of finishing up from last year and some new ones you're proposing this year? Well, you know, I was thinking about reintroducing AB 369, which was my street medicine bill. Um, that was about making sure that you could have mobile um, units, mobile healthcare units to help folks get access to care uh, who are unhoused. But lo and behold, it found its way into the state budget. So somebody was listening. Um, but I've got a spicy package. It's uh, a little bit of uh, criminal legal reform, you know, having access to medical records um, and being able to access, you know, get your identification that you need when you get out. Definitely going back to the healthcare space, um, trying to rerun the bill about drug importation from Canada. Um, you know, even Florida with crazy DeSantis, 
you know, is trying to do this. And, you know, we know that the costs are really um, exorbitant. And so how do we get cheaper prices, right? Um, right. Working on that. Uh, ACA3, which is about taking slavery and involuntary servitude out of the California Constitution. Who would have thought? Um, it's still in there. Shout out for um, Black History Month. Uh, we got like a lot of bills that actually this year that I'm running are focusing on economic justice and equity. So how do we bring parity, right? How do we take away some barriers that are preventing people from having access to capital and opportunities to, um, you know, find and keep jobs and develop family wealth, not family wealth, like billions, you know, but like, so I can make my mortgage and pay for my kid to have lunch at school and, you know, be able to wash my clothes and save some pennies and not be living paycheck to paycheck. So I'm really focused on, on bills that will allow that to happen. You know, it's so cool what you do with these, you know, what what's happening Wednesdays and yes. videos and explaining things kind of what's what's one piece of of California politics or the legislature that you haven't explained yet that you would like people to understand so I have not explained what goes on in rules committee so I sit on rules and we do confirmations you know for the governor um that's kind of heady because you get all these binders about information about all these people and all these departments. And that's why I'm like, Lord have mercy. This is what you do. So we haven't explained that. We do have one coming out today. Um, I am in contract negotiations with my puppets because there was such demand for them. Now they have presented me with these rider contracts. You know, they want the green M&Ms and they don't want to work on Thursdays. And so we're in, they're part of a puppet union. And, you know, I am definitely pro-labor. So I'm working with the puppets to come up with some, you know, other topics that they are willing to um, discuss. Um, But, you know, what happens in rules is a biggie, right? For the Senate and the assembly and kind of how the floor runs. People don't really know about that. Yeah, you're right. Rules is such a mystery, kind of. What happens in rules? Stays in rules. I know. That's right. What happens in rules stays in rules. We should do karaoke one day in rules. I think so. I said, pro tem, let's do some karaoke while we're like trying to confirm this person for. Get the ratings up. (laughs) It's like cable access. Ain't nobody watching our hearings. Well, awesome, Sydney. Thank you so much for taking the time and hanging out with us here. Uh, just love the jacket and the outfit and looking forward to uh, you getting you. those puppets back to work. Thank you. They are they are taking their break right now. Um, and I do want to say thank you for recognizing the outfit. You know, I'm also a supporter of um, me and me. We are a huge supporter of uh, she's <laughs> off her break. She's off her break. We are huge supporters of vintage um, clothing. So my outfit today is all from resale shops. So it's a way that we can protect the environment. You don't always have to buy new. You can buy used and you can make it work. And Good she job. agrees. Awesome. Hot damn. <laughs> Hot damn. Well, thank you, Sydney. Have a great Wednesday and can't wait to see what's coming out next. Thank you so much. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Bye.